Joining us this morning as we ease into the weekend for our chat, uh, we have James Lawler from Narrative 4 in Limerick City. Nick Rabbits, well known to you from his work with the Limerick Leader newspaper and online, of course. And Anne O'Donoghue is with us as well. She's news correspondent with the Irish Farmers Journal and you are all very welcome Good to morning. the show this morning. So I'm going to start with, well, I went to the Wonka movie. I enjoyed it so much I went twice. And it was absolutely fab. And our man of theatre, um, Nigel Dugdale, he went to watch it after me and he said he confirmed that it was indeed very good as an experience and he'd know a lot more about it than I did. However, there was a Wonka experience, which I presume <laughs> was there in the Scotland because they were trying to capitalise. And it was an unmitigated disaster. Apparently it was promised me wonderful and the whole lot. It appears as though, considering it was all about chocolate, there didn't seem to be any chocolate even for the kids in this big warehouse with a couple of plastic mushrooms and some comedian uh, who broke his silence subsequently <laughs> because he was dressed up as Wonka and he ended up getting abused by parents and kids and everyone because of the disaster that this was. We all, we all love a story about a disaster sometimes. <laughs> I remember last year there was that documentary about the festival, fire festival, that was just this Oh yes, I disaster. saw that. That was fascinating, yeah. But uh, when I was looking this up, I, I, was, I was laughing about, you know, not having chocolate for the children. Uh, there was one jelly bean allocated for <laughs> yeah. each child, a quarter, a quarter cup of lemonade. I love that line, a, a quarter cup of lemonade. Chocolate each. experience without any chocolate. Um, and the, the visuals of it, you know, it was just this big empty warehouse with, you know, uh, graphics printed. And, and apparently they used AI to generate uh, promotional material. So, of course, it looked like full of life. And I suppose it's 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 a... It's one of those cases where the, it didn't really live up to the promise where AI can generate this beautiful world, but the reality was this empty warehouse. Yeah, and, and uh, the interesting one uh, is that this poor man, this comedian who had been paid at the last minute to be Willy Wonka, I mean, he said it, it, the shame was so intense that he hid in his car when they finally <laughs> gave him a break and then he had to muscle his way past angry children and their parents as he went back in to this warehouse and they were giving him desperate grief because he was, well, he was Willy Wonka and his chocolate factory was anything but Anne. Joe, it's just an unbelievable story. Um, you've, you've outlined some of it there. And as James said, if anybody's seen that fire Festival documentary, thankfully at least they weren't um, on an island that they could leave. But um, yeah, definitely a case of not living up to its promises what I found, what the, the slight silver lining, but as a child, I had a similar experience like this with my family. Um, I won't say exactly where the experience was. Now, it, do, it wasn't as bad as this, but it really wasn't hectic and didn't live up to what was promises promised and years later we have a great laugh over it we often <laughs> I remember remember the time we went to that it wasn't that hilarious so hopefully all these families um mm. in 10 years time will have a laugh about it but thankfully they got their money back but it is definitely on a different note definitely there is you know you, things can be so well marketed now like you know, as james said ai generated and things like that definitely it's much easier for i suppose things not to live up to the promises yeah, and, and, and it's interesting, Nick, because uh, the comedian that we mentioned who played Willy Wonka, a fellow called Paul Connell, and, you know, to be fair to stand-up comedians, like they, they have to do a lot of gigs to keep going, you know, before they might 
be Kevin Bridges level um, fame but uh, he said um, that the script I got was 15 pages of AI generated gibberish of me just monologuing these mad things the bit that got me was where I had to say there's a man we don't know his name we know him as the unknown the unknown is an evil chocolate maker who lives in the walls this was terrifying for the kids is he an evil man who makes chocolate or is the chocolate itself evil Nick uh, it's an unbelievable story. I mean, the whole thing was... I mean, it's just beyond belief. It was, it's absolutely true what people say, that um, fact, is, fact is often a lot stranger than fiction. I mean, the whole event was a bit of a... I've got a word for it. I won't use it at 11.30 on the radio on, on a Friday yeah. morning, but let's just say the whole thing was a bit of a mess. I mean, one jelly bean the cause of lemonade. What the hell? Um, people probably came all over Scotland and probably all over England to, to, to come to this event and just to have it go so badly wrong. It's just, I mean, and they may be getting their money back, but like, are they getting their travel expenses back? I, I doubt it. The only perhaps silver, like, I don't know if you, you mentioned the comedian um, has been paid. I don't know if he has. I mean, on the plus side, um, hopefully for him, the exposure that he's got, he might get a bit of work. I believe he's planning to move to Glasgow, actually. So um, hopefully there'll be a bit of a happy ending for him. Yeah. And speaking of AI and AI gibberish, well, on the other side of this, a chat GPT creator OpenAI is looking to fuse its artificial intelligence systems into the bodies of humanoid robots as part of a new deal with robotics startup Figure. Um, so, I mean, and I presume eventually we are going to see um, farms being run largely by these AI robots and farmers can finally, after thousands of years of hard work, relax a bit. It's an interesting comparison to make, Joe, because technology, AI, all that definitely makes life a lot easier. And you would see that, obviously, on farms, um, robotic milking machines and things like that. Um, this case, yeah, I, like, and I always have mixed feelings when I think about kind of AI and the advancement of technology. Like you said there, it can make life so much easier but then when I read an article like the one, this one here about kind of humanoid robots I start to I start getting a bit panicky and think oh god they're taking over mm. um, but definitely the train has left the station when it comes to AI and we have to go with it but I wonder now is it down to maybe kind of regulating AI and regulate no no it doesn't need to be doesn't need to be I don't know what that looks like maybe but do we need to kind of I suppose think about how far does this go where does it go what are the parameters yeah, I, I can certainly think of a couple of farmers I know who'll enjoy sitting there drinking a cup of coffee telling the robot, get up there in that tractor and go out and <laughs> check the land for me. Come back and let me know how it's going. Yeah, so it's not, as you said, it's not, it's not definitely very little people say that it's all negative. There's lots of positives um, when it comes to these things. But this, this was quite interesting in terms of the humanoid robots and, you know, the amount of, the amount of work and things they they'd be able to do and it, it wasn't quite clear though how many functions they'd be able to carry out in terms of this new these new humanoid robots so it'll be interesting to see how this actually all comes off I suppose um, but Nick the reality is we're finished aren't we in the media like I mean another year or two and it'll be AI and robots going to media conferences and you know doing shows like this and you know I, James might still be in here as a guest but he won't be interviewed <laughs> inter by me being interviewed by a robot probably look I mean look, I don't know how you 
feel about being interviewed by a robot, James. But um, uh, I, the one thing I will say Don't is, say what's the difference. I know you're thinking. I know you're thinking. I know you're thinking in your head. But like, I, I, and I have thought about this a lot. And it, it, the whole idea, it just, it just frightened the life out of me. I'm a complete technophobe. But I am also very sceptical about this. Uh, can robots really establish relationships that we have with people that myself and yourself, Joe, have with councillors, for example, or, or politicians, other politicians? I mean, I don't know if this can be done. I mean, people aren't going to give a rogue, aren't going to trust a robot necessarily with a story, and that's something that perhaps would stand in our favour. I mean, I don't like this whole idea. Of, I don't like the fact that we're peddling the idea that uh, humanoid robots can do human uh, can do jobs that our humans don't want to do. I mean, it's a very slippery slope, and it's mm. got the potential to destroy economies around the world, hasn't it? Really? Yeah. yeah like I, I, you fear the the fact that there's these billionaire tech CEOs sitting in their office in California, kind mm. of dreaming up ways of like reducing the workforce or replacing yeah. humans with these machines. Uh, and it's for profit. Like let's, it's it all comes down Call to profit. Spade, spade, it's, yeah. It's, yeah, it's not about improving human lives or improving civilization or moving. And and you think a lot of these people have so much money and power anyway? What do they need more of it for? Yeah, they're they've got bigger bigger economies than most countries. Yeah, yeah. it's 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 mad, isn't it? And and I read something that is it sixty percent of jobs are almost inevitably going to be replaced by. AI robots, the next wave, as it were. Especially when we think we live in this digital world and we're like consuming digital media and digital content, and it can all be. We're seeing the, uh, I suppose the 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 start of it now, where a lot of content online, you know, even images you see now are video clips. It's it's all generated by AI, and I suppose our eye at the moment is trained towards that. You can kind of tell, but it's getting better, and we're. We're as consumers, we're like feeding into it and saying, you know, we're reacting to it, which is making it better and making it more clear. I mean, I mean would you be worried, Nick, for example, uh, about the elections that are coming up? You know, we have yeah. local, we have European, we've directly elected mayor in Limerick. A general won't be yeah. too far behind. No, yeah, absolutely. I was just talking to your colleague off air about this year. We're going to have lots of elections this year. And of course, with the mayoral uh, referendum here in the city and the county this June as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, parties will stop at nothing to, especially with Sinn Féin on the rise, I imagine. Well, we, we, don't have, want to, we don't say any one party over another, but the reality mm. is that AI will play it a will part, play, won't it? play a massive part. And I actually think of it in the context of the UK election, which is also due later this year, that is going to be the most toxic, toxic election that we ever going to see, I imagine. And I think... Unfortunately, our local elections here in Limerick will be fairly dirty as well, and it's it's unfortunate. It's kind of it's real race to the bottom, and yeah, AI will play a part. I mean, there will be stuff doing the rounds on the internet, and we'll, and, and you won't know whether it's yeah. right or wrong, which I suppose is where mm. verification. Go back to your earlier point from yes. journalists and the media locally and nationally is important mm. if you can verify it, because as you say, it's getting so advanced now, isn't it, James? Yeah, I'm just thinking there maybe we should. Like maybe we should have robot politicians. It might be might be safer. <laughs> oh, <could> be. <laughs> All right. Well, and talk about toxicity. Whatever about the UK? Could you imagine what the US presidential election would be like by the end? Uh, of yeah, of course about that. That's another story. Mm. Uh, let's take a quick 
look at the European Parliament because they voted this week in favour of plans to update driving licence rules to improve road safety. The proposals include introducing mobile licences, i.e. that they can easily move from country to country, and mandatory health checks for the issuing and renewing of driving licences. And would you be in favour of the health checks, for example? Yeah, Joe, I wouldn't have any problem with it, to be honest. I think anything that can make our roads safer and better is a good thing. Um, so I would, would welcome these measures. But I'm thinking in terms of, you know, the stark figures that we've seen in terms of road fatalities in Ireland in the last couple of years. And maybe do we need to go beyond this, Joe, or do we need to, I suppose, in an Irish context, is it, does there need to be a serious body of research done into road crashes, collisions and those and those road fatalities and what are the main drivers, causes and address them. I think any measure is good, but is this going, is this enough? You know, I think a, a health check is good, but I don't know in an Irish context, are they the main drivers? Is a mobile licence and having a health check every 15 years going to make a difference to those figures? And that's kind of the bottom line I think for a lot of people at the moment. Yeah, I mean, the question is, do we need to have repeat driving tests that even people on full licences every five years need to repeat their tests? I did my, my driving test in 2007 and to this day it was the most nerve-wracking mm. thing I've ever did in my life. I kind of lost control of my feet. and um, But I think it would be a good idea to have like a refresher course or to even do the theory test every 10 years or something like that because it, there is a, a huge element of safety built into that. And I think driving around the, the country, I think a lot of people probably need to go back and do that refresher test. Yeah, you know, I, I was driving from Dublin yesterday on the motorway and, you know, you got to that section. The weather conditions were poor now, you mm. know, it was sleet and hail and it wasn't nice at all. And we got to that section that is notorious, unfortunately, the section, or, or, you know, the Bird Hill Junction, etc., etc., where the road surface is not great at the best of times. But there was a sheen on it because of the rain. And honestly, despite that and the average speed cameras, you were still people were shooting up the outside yeah, lane. It's unbelievable. And, fly, and you just and, and, and the difficulty you have is that you, if you're trying to drive, you know, carefully, but you just don't know what might happen to something passing you. It's 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 a real worry, isn't it? It's a real worry, a real, real worry. Um I was looking at the story, the last paragraph of the story got me. The draft law will be followed up by the new parliament after the next elections. We're talking about elections a few minutes ago. We have the European elections this summer as well. The make of the European Parliament could look extremely different after the election. Will this be a priority across Europe? Conservative parties of the right, and in some cases far right, are on the rise, and they may want to preserve the status quo. They may not be in favour of... I think a Green politician from Germany was quoted in the article. Now, you know, they'll have their agenda, but the the right-wing parties might be different. Yeah, OK. Um, this Austrian... A provider of mortgages coming into the Irish market and offering mortgages up to the age of 80. Generally, the Irish providers don't go any further than 70. And even with that, there's a bit of persuasion um, involved. What about paying a mortgage until you're 80? When I first read it, Joe, I was like, uh, like horrified by the thought of it, like that we just spend our whole lives paying off this, this mortgage. But when I read into it, uh, I guess, you know, people are in different circumstances. You know, you might need to remortgage your house at 60 or you might, people might separate and they might need to buy an apartment or downsize and that they can use their pension payments to pay 
off a small mortgage of a new apartment, a one-bedroom apartment. And I was like, that makes sense. It gives people more options. Yeah. And the other thing, Anne, is that, you know, coming from Austria, you know, they do have traditions of intergenerational mortgages. So for them, the idea of someone paying a mortgage into old age is not as unusual maybe as it is here. Yeah, Joe, when I first read this, a bit like James, I was a bit like, oh God, paying a mortgage until you're 80. Um, But at the same time, I think kind of even anecdotally, people are doing things a bit later in life now. You know, people are probably settling down a bit later, getting a mortgage a bit later. So maybe, you know, for for some people, you know, it might be a good option. You don't have to do it. That said, um, I think like regulation here would be important from the central bank in terms of that people who are on these mortgages wouldn't be paying interest rates that are above and beyond. Um, but I know I know myself, I don't have a mortgage job, but I definitely wouldn't like to be paying one off until I'm 80. No, and the thing is that Limerick is under colossal pressure at the moment. You know, we do have jobs coming in, which is brilliant. Um, full employment, maybe even stretched a bit. But rent is just, and house prices are shooting yeah. up again. It's always the question when a big employer comes in. We love to see big IDA announcements. We live for them. But always the question is, where are these people going to live? Um, I mean, what I think is really sad, and it's a worldwide problem, it's a whole generation of people, Joe, are locked out of uh, the market looking for mortgages, but they can't, they're paying over the odds with rent and they have no hope of ever getting a mortgage. And... Um, Perhaps we need to flip that. Home ownership has always been a status symbol in Ireland, but now, uh, if you can, it's more of an essential necessity. If you're able to, it'll protect you against all manner of things about being evicted at short notice, that kind of thing. Across Europe, when probably in Austria as well, in Germany, I certainly know, renting is far more common. As a consequence, we do see much higher standards of rental accommodation across Europe and more protection for tenants. So perhaps... We need to sort of look at that and uh, it's very sad because I, I see people in subpar accommodation right across the country and they're worried if they complain about it, they they they, they may be out in their ears so they keep quiet and it's it's appalling really. Yeah. I think it's James, I know you have a great interest in the city centre and Narrative 4 obviously based there um, as well but how we live in the city centre is part of this, apartments for example, using Georgian Limerick more and some work has been done on that. Some work, but I think we've a lot of work to do. Like, there's a lot of vacant properties in the city centre that could be turned into accommodation. Uh, you, ju- you know, you just walk down O'Connell Street or Main Thoroughfare, and you can see the upper floors. None yeah. of them are, you know, the lights are off. Like the offices are using the first floor or the ground floor and, and the first floor. Um, yeah, and we need need to think really about sustainability and building a city where people are not, I suppose, dependent on their car. They can walk to all their services, walk to schools, uh, walk to the shops, walk to the restaurants. And I was like, that's where the future is, not building these suburbs yeah. outside right. the city. Okay, well, listen, thank you very much, all three of you, for joining us this morning. We're out of time. It rushes along when you're enjoying it. Uh, thank you to James Lawler from Narrative 4, Nick Rabbits from the Limerick Leader, and Dan O'Donoghue with the Irish Farmers Journal for joining us on the Old Barracks Coffee Break this morning. Your views, your news, your Limerick Today with Joe Nash on Live.